0: Well, well, well. We appreciate that, Brother Dean. What a great song that is, and what a tremendous spin of truth. Boy, it's spending time in prayer with the Lord. How valuable is that? Um, Before I get started, I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, Brother um, or Pastor Tim Huth had called me or talked to me just yesterday or texted me, whatever. He let me know that uh, they're having Bruce Musselman with them um, this weekend. Yeah, Musselman. Um, You remember, some of you remember him? Uh, Anyway, he taught a lot on like the King James and other things in Revelation, some other things like that. Anyway, he's going to be with them. Uh, Brother uh, Huth is going to be having a special Monday night Bible study since he's going to be with them. And they're going to go ahead and have a question-answer period concerning the King James Bible tomorrow night at Stow Falls Baptist. Okay, so 630 to 8 tomorrow night at Stow Falls Baptist. And, again, if you need directions or something, get on the Internet, look it up, or maybe uh, give them a call or something. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to get there other than in my mind. I couldn't tell you the street they're even on. I think it's South Monroe or something like that. But, anyway, if you could look that up, that would be great. But it will be at 630 to 8. Again, Pastor uh, Huth and his church are having a special Monday night Bible study. Again, question answer, a special question answer period on the King James. And Brother Musselman is, is quite capable of doing so. And uh, it, it'll be, I'm sure, worth your time if you're interested in that. Okay? All right. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I told him I'd let you know. I thought it might be very helpful and profitable. And so I thought I'd mention it. Okay, let's go ahead and consider our doctrinal delicacies again tonight. Doctrinal delicacies. And uh, again, we're talking about a delicacy. It's something that goes down pretty good, it's something that tastes pretty good. And of course, doctrinally speaking, we're going to talk about another delicacy. We're going to talk about the local church for just a few minutes tonight. And you say, oh man, we talked about that a lot this year. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it maybe a little bit differently. And again, it's one of those things we get reminded about. If you've done any personal Bible study or if you've ever gone through discipleship, obviously you've heard things about the local church and there's things that we need to be reminded of. And I think that sometimes, again, like we've said in a number of times, is that we have a tendency to take for granted some of these truths and we don't really know them maybe as well as we think we do. So let's just take a few moments and uh, see how it turns out tonight. We'll just see what the Lord can teach us, how what maybe we can be reinforced with. And uh, I think it will be very helpful and profitable as well. Now, again, the local church is probably one of the, uh, <clears throat> I guess, one of the things that, uh, or assets that uh, many believers disregard. They, they really don't take full advantage of the local church. And, uh, you know, if you'd look across the country, look at churches uh, across our nation, And uh, you look at their Sunday morning crowd, you look at their Sunday night crowd, you look at their Wednesday night crowd, and you say to yourself, wow, where's everybody at? Uh, Well, it's folks that aren't taking advantage of the local church like maybe they ought to. And so uh, it's one of those, um, I guess, um, uh, neglected benefits that God has left us, and necessities really, as we're going to find out. But over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25, we find a passage that identifies the importance and the value of the local church. Again, anything that's valuable to God should be valuable to us. That's just the way it ought to be, at least. And over there in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible simply says this. And I'll give you just a moment to get there. <clears throat> Brother Pringle, I-, I apologize for throwing you on the spot like that. I I just realized after you got up here that you had just kind of come in and, you know, and-, and I thought, oh, no, he didn't even get to hear what I was talking about, and... Uh, <laughs> Well, he sure had lived good, but anyway, <laughs> that's, that's a preacher for you, right? But no, he, he knew enough, and, and, and I appreciate you praying, and, and uh, we certainly are glad to have you. It's good to have Liz Cavanaugh's family with us as well. They're from out of town, but they're coming through just for a short time, and they'll be leaving again soon, but it's always good to have them in with us as well. All right, um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, it says, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. This is the part I want you to note again, and gave himself for it. So Christ loved the church, and He gave Himself for it. Man, if He gave Himself for the church, it's pretty important to Him then, right? Yeah. It's pretty important. When you give your life for something, that means it's pretty valuable to you. It's pretty important. Well, guess what? The church is important to God. Therefore, the church ought to be important to us. And, and I think that sometimes uh, you know, uh, you know, value has a tendency to wax and wane in our lives. What is important to us maybe at a certain level or point in our life isn't quite as important to us maybe later in life say early in life that was important now it's not quite as important as it used to be and then maybe back when we were younger it wasn't as important as it is now as we get older but when it comes to the church that's not how it ought to be because it's important to God then it's important to God now and it'll be important to God in the future it ought to be important to us at all times as well the church is important now you know we are to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus so we have a purpose every believer has a purpose and, and, and we're to, to try to strive to reach and obtain that goal. Well, the church is a piece that God has left us apart that He's left in the Christian life, a so valuable piece that we cannot accomplish that and, and really do what God wants us to do without the local church. It's just invaluable. And so, as we're going to see, uh, it's just a, a piece of the puzzle that we can't do without. Now, a church, let's face it, is not a building. We know that. We've gathered tonight here <clears throat> at Community Baptist Temple, but the reality is, this is not the church, this, this right here. This, the, the physical building, the, the, the physicalness of it. I mean, that's not the building, you know what I mean, uh, the, the church. It's a building that houses, but it's not the church itself. Um, the Bible says that God's a spirit, and that we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can't, you can't worship God. Uh, it, it, you know, the building itself is not what's going to ultimately bring glory to God. It's, it's the church itself, which is really you and I tonight. We're the church, not the buildings. And that's why it's so important as we're gathered here tonight and we recognize that, you know, we say, well, this is temporary. Ultimately, we'll be over at our new building. But the fact is, and can I just be as blunt to say this, it doesn't matter whether or not we ever get in that other building. We should never, ever stop serving God the way we ought to serve God. We should never lose our intensity. We should never lose our urgency for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cause of Christ. I I mean, this is, it's a little ridiculous today, you know, because as believers, you know, we like comfort. You know, let's face it, these chairs aren't comfortable, so, you know, this just, I don't like going to that church anymore, and, and the carpet's just dirty, and I don't like going to that church anymore, and fortunately, we have a people that have been extremely gracious and overcoming all of these obstacles, but the fact is, is that most believers today put more emphasis on the aesthetics, more emphasis on the comfort than they do the actual fact that the church is the people anyway. If this place burned down tomorrow, we had to meet in a tent, we'd still be a church. If we, if we had to meet outside under the stars, we'd still be a church. We don't need a building to accomplish what God's called us to do. Now, it is helpful, it's convenient, it's comfortable, but it is not necessary to do the work of God with a building. You don't have to have a building. People used to say to me when we started Community Baptist 2, when I started it, uh, my wife and I, they'd say, well, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't grow a church in and, and a rented facility or a storefront or, in this case, a, 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 a senior center. And I, and I say, well, first of all, the building's not the church. Nope. It's not the church. So, so you, know, um, you know, you're putting way too much emphasis on it. Yeah, but people won't come to a place like that. You'll never grow a church in a place like that. Well, it's funny. We've run 175 in that little place that nobody had ever come to. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing what God did. And, you know, and, and so people can say whatever they want. But the fact is that God is in control of His church. And it's not the building that determines or demands how the success level of God, God's success level in ministry in our church. And so let's, let's not lose sight of what the church is. It's not buildings, that's for sure. It's not a denomination or a group of congregations. It's not that either. Let's face it, the church is are the people. You know, how's that little thing go? You know, um, I can't do it. Yeah, here, how, how's it? Yeah, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door, and there's the people. Okay, and I and I think that's what the that's what the church is right there. It's there. It's those people right there. Those you know, this little piggy went to market. This one stayed home. It's those guys in there, right? That's the church, all right. That's the church. And so we, we can't lose sight of that. And you know what? It's easy to lose sight of that from time to time. You know, we walk in the doors of a building and we go, "Wow, this doesn't look anything like a church." And, and fortunately, this place turned out well, it's funny, uh, somebody that, that I, that somebody that used to come here uh, was, was in the hallway the other day, and I had a chance to talk, and they said, "Wow. Wow, This place really looks nice." And I said, "Of course it does." And I just walked away. <laughs> I mean, because it's like, what do you expect?" I mean, "What did you expect anything less?" Like we do anything half? I mean, we do, we do things just, you know, half-heartedly around it? No, we do everything first. We want it to be done right. We want <laughs> it to be done right. What would you expect? I mean, why would you expect anything less from the church that you attended? That's what I thought to myself, you know? And, and, and again, I'm not bitter at that person. they any stretch of the imagination. They're welcome to come back today. We'd embrace them, love them. Man, I'd love to see them back here, matter of fact. But the fact is, is this. Why would they have ever thought anything less? this is god's house the best we can make it right now but it's not god's it's not the church though it's just a building who needs a building to do the work of god you say well it's important it's a necessity, and you know what it does make a difference it helps but it's not absolutely necessary i know a church out in california that grew over a thousand and ten it can happen I knew a church on one acre of ground, three quarters acres of ground, that was running almost two thousand people, and they had to they had to literally bus people from another property outside of the church every service, in and out. They served donuts on the on the shuttle buses and everything else, but they were bringing people in. They only had they only had like twenty spots on the entire church property. Wow. South California. And listen, there are all these obstacles that we say make it impossible to do the work of God. And then there's nothing impossible about the work of God unless you have God outside of the church. But God says, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. The church. Why do we make such a big deal of the church then? Why do we make such a big deal of it? Well, we make the big deal. We make a big deal of the church for a couple of reasons. Number one, God is with the local church and he empowers it. He's with the local church, and He empowers it. Take your Bible. Look over the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation, chapter 1. Don't you love to meet people that love God's house? I mean, isn't that wonderful? I, I do. I love to talk to people that love God's house. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, uh, but, but I, I tell you what, talk to Mrs. Beachy sometime. She, she can't hardly get around at all. She walks around here like a, a, a leaf in the wind. You know? And you think, man, what in the world are you doing, girl? She says, I love God's house. I love being in church. I love God's people. Man, what an amazing testimony that is to me. And I get so encouraged by that. And uh, I know so many others that have made those statements and so many others that have, have implied the same thing and even demonstrated the same thing. And, man, you couldn't keep them out of church unless they're in the hospital or they're home and they can't make it. I think of Sandy, and unfortunately Sandy's at the hospital as we speak, but she had to be taken in this afternoon. But Sandy loves God's house. And she's going through chemo. She comes here wearing masks, and she comes here doing different things because she loves God's house and wants to be here. When I was down in North Carolina, uh, down in um, uh, Brother Bobby's, uh, uh, Brother Bobby um, Robertson's church, yes, down there in Walkertown, I remember there's a man there that comes in, and and they wheel him in on a bed. He literally cannot stand up. He 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 lays in a bed. They wheel him down the aisle, and they park him right there in the front there. And he comes to church laying on his back in a bed. But he wants to be in God's house. He loves God's house. I think of Mr. and Mrs. Black back here on Sunday mornings. They come in. You don't realize the the physical problems that she faces every day and and the circumstances and and how difficult it would be to get her ready. But they're in God's house. Why? They love God's house. They love God's house. I love to talk to people, to meet people, and I love to converse with people that love God's house. Why do they love it so much? I'll tell you why. Because God's with the local church and He empowers it. And they like being around God. Look in Revelation chapter 1. Notice what it says here, Revelation chapter 1 verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with paps and with a golden girdle. Well, we we understand the Son of Man, we we can tie that back to the New Testament uh, Gospels, if you will, and we understand that Christ is being referred to, but notice in Revelation 1.20, we see the candlesticks and so forth, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches." In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. In the midst of those churches, there stands the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is in the midst of the church. Now, unfortunately, in the book of Revelation chapter 3, we notice there that there's the Lord standing, knocking. Knocking. He's knocking. That means He's on the outside. That's the Laodicean church. We see Him standing on the outside, knocking in chapter 3. What's wrong with the church when the Lord himself, the one who they claim they're gathering for, is on the outside knocking? How can that happen? I think it happens the same way Samson turned out to be ultimately grinding wheat or grinding for the Philistines and so forth because he shook himself one day after they'd come after him and he didn't even realize the Holy Spirit had left him. He didn't even realize that he was powerless. He didn't realize that he could no longer fight and have the power and the strength that he once had. He thought that he would just shake himself like before. Oh, the Philistines be upon me, Samson. Fine, I'll go out there and whoop them like I have every other time. He got out there, they poke his eyes out, they take him on down, he starts grinding at the mill. And before you know it, they're mocking and making fun of him. Why? Because he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed. He didn't even know that God's power was off of him. He didn't know the Spirit of God had left him. And you know what? That's how churches are in many cases today. Listen, if we don't live holy lives, if we don't live separated lives as individuals, listen, remember, the church is not a building. The church is the people. So therefore, you determine the power of God in this place. We're waiting on the preacher to bring power to the Holy Holy Spirit to the church. No, it's the people that bring the power. You've got to have your heart right with God before you walk through the door. And as you walk through the door, you bring Him with you. And then He manifests Himself in our life and in our presence. God is with the local church, though. The picture is, I am in the midst. Man, I want to meet with God today, don't you? I want to meet with God Wednesday night. I'm going to meet with God Sunday night. I want to meet with God. We do that in God's house. And unfortunately today in our world and our culture, we have this undaunting idea, this daunting idea that we ourselves are enough God we don't need to go to church anymore. We're good enough and we're all right. And, and I can serve God at home and I can, I can reach God through nature. And I have this ability to, to just have a relationship with God outside of His church. I don't see anywhere where He's manifesting Himself in the midst of you without, I mean, it, it, as He does the local church. He visibly puts a picture here and says, I'm in the midst of this place. I'm right here, right now. If you'll let me in. God is with the local church and empowers it. There is something unique and special about the local church that you cannot do without. People want to try to do without it today, it seems, so often. But it's, it's necessary in our lives. I mean, what, what's, what's the big deal? What, what makes such a to-do over the local church? Well, God's in the midst of this place. He empowers it. Do you realize that all ministries are to be local church-based? Every ministry. It's it's important. You know, Sister Bobby comes up. We talk about starting a ministry. If if she goes out on her own without the authority of the local church, she goes out and says, you know what? Well, that church, they won't back me. They won't support me. They won't let me do that. I'll just do it on my own. I don't need no church. Well, that's what a lot of ministries are doing today. That wouldn't be scriptural. It wouldn't be biblical. It's not how it's supposed to work. Christ is in the midst of this church. Therefore, there's authority here. Whether you evangelist, every evangelist ought to be out of a local church. Every church planner, local church. So they said, oh, uh, you know, in my ordination, well, what are you going to do if we don't ordain you? What will you do? And, and you know, they, they, they want to hear this, this, this response, you know, that, well, bless God, I've been called a God, I'm going to go out and preach anyway. Not me, buddy. I stopped and I said, well, I know what you probably want to hear, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I said, I believe in the local church. I can't go out, preach, pastor, evangelize, do anything without the authority of the local church, but here's what I do know. I'll be reading about one of you in the obituary, and when it's all said and done, I'll still be ordained. That's what I told my board. Someone says, what? You said what? What? No, I said what the Bible teaches. This ain't none of those guys going to stand between me and what God wants for me. and ain't one of you going to stand between what God wants for me. Nobody is. If God wants something, it's going to happen. God calls me to do something, it's going to get done. But it's going to get done His way. Say, well, if it wasn't for... Okay, let's not even get into that argument. What I do know is this. God says that every single ministry needs to come forth and through the local church musicians and singers how many groups are out there today under the guise of the ministry that aren't really out of any local church they need the authority of the local church Um, boys and girl homes nursing home ministries counseling ordinations missionaries everything needs to run and funnel through the local church you say why is that Okay, first of all, let's just go with authority. And and let's skip authority yet. Let's talk about accountability. Accountability is important. Accountability is necessary. It's needful. Do you know that in your marriage you need accountability, gentlemen? Ladies, you need accountability. God gives you a help meet. You want to know why? Because you're to help one another. You're to encourage one another. You're to lift up one another. You're to hold one another accountable in that sense. Guess what the church does for ministry? It holds us accountable. It's important. Listen, what what do you do? You run out and you you start your ministry and you say, I'm a King James Bible holder. I'm going to rip people up. I'm going to go gospel preaching and teaching and start a church and we're going to run buses and we're going to do all that stuff. And you say, man, that's awesome. Get started really strong. But all of a sudden something creeps in and all of a sudden they throw this Bible away, put another one in place. Next thing you know, they get rid of all their buses. They get rid of all their outreach programs. Next thing you know, their music's upside down. Someone says, whoa, 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 where's that going? you know what, you, wanna, you, wanna, you come forth out of Community Baptist Temple and you throw away your King James Bible, I'm walking up to your house and I'm going to get your ordination and say, you are no longer have authority to, to do any ministry through this church. Amen. Amen. Forget it, you're done. You're done. Because that's not how we function here, that's how we operate. You were sent forth from this ministry, you are accountable to it and its standard. You don't just go out and do whatever you want in life. There's authority there, and there is accountability there. It's so important to understand that. There's support there, prayer support, financial support, encouragement that comes through that. Here's what happens, and and let me tell you why there's such a big misunderstanding of all this. Take your Bible, look over Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. See, the problem is, is that some people believe in what's called universal church mentality versus local church mentality. And so what happens is, is that certain certain people misunderstand how God functions and operates in this age and time in which we live. They they forget that although there is the church, there is the local church. Although there's the body of Christ, I should say, there is a local church that God functions through and does and accomplishes his work through. Notice in Ephesians 1, the Bible says this. It says and hath verse 22, excuse me, and hath put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, talking of Christ, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the body. Okay? Now, now listen. We've we, we got to understand some things. You've you got to realize that when someone gets saved, they get baptized into the body of what? Christ. Guess what? We're all baptized into the body of Christ. Okay? Now, th- we're not baptized into the body of Community Baptist Temple. We're all baptized in the body of Christ. That means we're all part of one body, right? Okay, I mean, we're not gonna, I, I'm not going to argue that. It's biblical, it's scriptural. Okay? Now, uh, the only problem is this. We don't function as a complete body, the body of Christ. We can't. I mean, I mean uh, okay, you, you pass away. You don't call any pastor you want that's on the roster of pastors that know the Lord. You call your local pastor. Because he, he, that's how you function. You, you, you grow there, you live there, you learn there, you serve there, you die there even. I mean, this is what we do, but it's local. It's a local church. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, God deals with local churches. Every time you look at the Apostle Paul, almost every single time, with the exception of just a few occasions, he's dealing with a local church, a specific church. For instance, he deals with the church at, uh, uh, in, in if, uh, excuse me, um, in Galatians, chapter 1, verse 2. He says, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, churches of Galatia, specific churches, local churches. He's writing to them specifically. You notice that throughout a number of his epistles. Now, again, there's the local church, but then there's that body of Christ, okay? So we have the body of Christ. All of us are in it. I don't care if you're in the United States, if you're in Russia. If you're over in Iran or you're down in South Africa, we're all part of the same body, the body of Christ, when we're saved and placed into that body. Yeah. Amen. Here's what happens. People want to disregard the fact that the entire New Testament was written to local churches and that everybody's functioning, working, and striving out of local New Testament churches, like this one. And they say, but we're all part of the same body, so therefore... We can just kind of, if it's for the Lord, then it's okay. Because it's the universal church. We're all just part of one big happy church. So I feel led of God to go start a church. What church are you coming out of? What, what, what ministry is giving, lending their authority to you to go start that ministry? Which one is going to hold you accountable? Well, nobody. I'm in the body of Christ. And my authority is God. God. I'm a singer now and, 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 and I've been to churches and, you know, they never let me really sing the songs I want to sing and do exactly what I want to do. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And I know God wants me to start my own group and travel and sing my own music and do my own thing. And that pastor over there, he's so, so, so narrow-minded in that church. They just have no real vision of what could happen if I could only share my, the gospel through song. And he says, I'm just going to go ahead and start my own group goes around to different churches, goes and auditions people. They come on in and sing, and he says, man, you're a great bass singer. Uh, What church are you from? I'm from the Church of Christ over there. And what church are you from? I'm from the uh, Church of the Living Saints. And what church are you from? I'm from the Mormon Church. Oh, that doesn't matter. Okay, so anyway, we just go ahead, and we're all part of one big happy family, and we're all Christians here. And I just made up that Mormon thing, but that's about as bad as it gets sometimes. And so... You say, how do you know? Because I was part of that years and years ago at 18 years of age. But nonetheless, I just want you to understand that everybody comes together. And everybody's all different denominations, different religions, different faiths, different beliefs even. It doesn't matter, but do you love the Lord? Do you know Christ? Oh, yes, I love Jesus. I know Christ. And okay, you're in because we're all part of the body. Well, who's going to determine what we sing? And who's going to determine what we believe? And who's going to determine where we stand? And who's going to determine where we sing? Of course, uh... We do. Oh. And that's how crazy it is. And that's why, years ago, back in the 80s, you'd have buses sitting outside of churches and smoke would be pouring out of the buses. And people would be drinking beer after they got done singing for Jesus. Because there's no local church, no authority there, no accountability there. We're all part of one big body. That's all that matters. No, we're part of local... New Testament assemblies were local visible bodies. And we have to function and operate through them. That The whole New Testament is based on that. The Apostle Paul was sent out from the church at Antioch. He didn't just decide to leave on his own. He didn't just take a trip and say, you know what? I've got a, a vision of a new way, a better way. I'm going to go out and do it. Barnabas, you want to follow me? No, it didn't work that way. The Holy Spirit spoke to that church. That church confirmed the calling of Paul. And out the door they went. You'll say, that's, this is not a popular view today. It's not popular at all. You don't know, you know why? Because nobody wants to be accountable to anybody. Right, that's right. Amen. Everybody wants to do whatever they want to do. But the local church is important because it operates from, from God's perspective. This is God's way, the church. And, and every ministry needs to flow from it. Every ministry needs to go from it. That's why Sister Bobby wanted the, the blessing of the church, the local church. She wanted the men of God to gather around her and pray. Why? wants the power of God in that ministry. She wants the authority of the local church. <clears throat> and she wants the accountability of it too. We've been meeting for months and months, working out details, trying to make it happen. And God has opened up the door now and it's just now after months and months made it available to us and enabled to us to do, to do go forward in the ministry. God fulfills His plan for our life and the world through the local church and that's just the way it is. It's just too much. I, I don't even know if I trust myself without any authority. You say, who's your authority now? Unfortunately, I have all of you watching me. <clears throat> We're independent now, you know, and, and uh, the church that sent me, the pastor's no longer on earth. He's in heaven, and that church itself is probably not too interested in what we're doing here, but I know there's a group of people that are pretty interested in what we're doing. There's accountability here, trust me. Oh, okay, go ahead and let me throw another Bible out here. Remember, what I, what I tell you to do to me if I, ever, if I ever pull a Bible out and start going, well, we're going to start using this Bible in our Sunday school. We're gonna start, what I tell you to do? Kick me out of here. Let me pack my bags and get out of here. That's as simple as it is. You don't even have to ask my permission. I've already given it to you. I'm telling you, you need to understand. Listen, it's important that we hold true to the Word of God. And and this is so important. What's the function of the local church then? Real basic. Let me give them to you real fast. Evangelize. That's, That's it. That's the main one. Evangelize. That's the purpose of the local church, to evangelize the world, to reach the world with the gospel. It is not... There's a number of things we're going to look at, what the church does, but the real goal of the church is to evangelize the world. Okay? Uh, what, what's the next one? To, to edify. To edify. You say, what do you mean? To, tr- to teach, to train. To train the people of God. To teach and train the Word of God to the people of God. That, that's, that's important. That's why we have Sunday school classes. I mean, I mean that's, why, that's why we have... Um, a number of other classes involved uh, to teach and train the Word of God. But hold on a second. It goes a little step further. Not only do we equip through this teaching and training, but I mean, uh, edify through teaching and training, we are to equip the saints as well. That means to prepare them for ministry. That's, that's why we have um, soul certification. We're equipping for ministry. We're not just going to teach you the Bible. We're going to teach you how to teach the Bible. We're going to teach you how to give the gospel. We want you to understand how to actually take it and use it properly. We're going to equip you for the work of God. That's why we have teacher training. That's why we have bus training. That's why we have the different classes that we have. That's why we even have train up a child classes. We want to equip you to do things God's way. That's the goal. That's the purpose of the church. That's one of the purposes, to evangelize, to edify, to equip the saints. God wants every other Christian to be able to win other people and train other people and equip other people. That's the real goal. The church is not a place. Listen, and this is important. The church is really not a place to be served. It's a place to serve. And unfortunately, in our culture again, in our our Christian culture, we've got it flipped upside down. Everybody just assumes that if you ever have a need, you just call the church, hey, you're there to serve me, so just provide for my finances, provide for my needs. Meet my. You don't realize I have a need, so go ahead and do it. That's what your job's to do. Give me food, give me clothing, give me money, give me this, give me that. That's what the world thinks the church is about. And unfortunately, too many times, that's what believers think the church is about. And they may not care about that, but they'll say, well, what about, you know, the main goal of the church is fellowship and the main goal of the church is to provide me with some comfort and I just don't think we should... Well, when's the last time you went out soul wanted? When's the last time you gave... When's the last time you did? When's the last time you served? That's the goal of the church. The church really is not here to serve us. We are here to serve God through the church. Someone says, boy, that's a pretty crazy attitude. That's a biblical attitude. Now, now hold on, though. Another part of the church is to encourage. It's to encourage. So, so, I mean, we're evangelizing, we're edifying, we're equipping, but we're also to encourage. Now, that's that's where fellowship comes in. Because let's face it, every one of us do need encouraged. And that's the mistake that most Christians make, by the way. If you don't get your encouragement from the people of God, you will get it from the world. That's all there is to it. Someone says, well, you know, you just don't understand. You know, you guys are a little different. And, you know, boy, I I, I fit in all right with my buddies at work. I fit in good with the people, you know, in in my block. I do well. Man, that's a real problem, you know. That's a real problem when you're fitting in real good with unbelievers. That, that, That should be something that should alarm you, not make you feel comfortable. Man, when you don't need the house of God, you know what you've just said to me? You're not in the battle. You're not in it. All them that will live godly shall what? Suffer persecution. Let me tell you, you start suffering persecution, you want to get a hold of anybody that you can say, Oh, God, let's pray with me, brother. Oh, help me, God. I need your help. And, and oh, will you just, uh, oh, man, well, what have you been doing? How are you handling this, man? Because I'm having a hard time dealing with my, my family, my friends. I'm just struggling. I need some encouragement here. Man, I'm struggling with that Bible reading. I'm struggling in my prayer life maybe a little bit. Man, I've been getting attacked from both sides. And, and when you're in the battle... You need fellowship, because you're need encouragement. Someone says, "I don't need the church." They've told me flat bluntly. They basically just just told on themselves. Just said, "Well, I'm really not. I'm really don't need it." I mean, uh. well, look at Hebrews ten twenty four. We're almost done. We really are. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Boy, do we need encouragement. Watch this. You say, what for what? Well, here it is. And let us consider one another to provoke unto... What's that word? Love. And to what? To love and good works. You, you know what the Lord said? He said, you know, we've got to consider one another. We've we got to provoke one another to a couple things. Love and good works. You're going to need that along the way. You're going to need provoked. You're going to need encouraged. You're going to need that. And look at the next verse right on the heels of that verse. Then he says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So he's saying, again, it's only going to get harder as we draw closer to the return of Christ to maintain an attitude and a spirit of love and an attitude of cooperation and service. Going to be harder than ever. You need God's house, and I need God's house too, because one of the aspects of it and one of the purposes of it or functions of it is to encourage. I need encourage, don't you? And finally, exalt. The church is to exalt. To exalt who? Obviously, collectively, we're to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the purpose. We're to elevate him. We're to magnify him. We're to say, Hey, listen, he's big, we're little. Just like John the, the, the Baptist said. i must decrease but he you know he must increase well what's that's just saying god must be elevated and that's the purpose of the local church we come in here we sing songs that elevate christ we come in here and we 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 uh we pray in an attempt to say god is necessary and needful we can't do it without him we're elevating god we have the choir gets up here and sings a special and what do they do they elevate god and his word man that's what it's about The message, the the local church, that thing which he died for that's so valuable to him that he, he gave his own life for, we elevate it, we lift it up. Why? Because it's important to him. In a sense, we're glorifying God. The local church family is there to encourage and strengthen, console, motivate, help, and offer hope and a haven from life's troubles. That's, that's what we are. We're family. We're family. Someone says, Yeah, but I, I don't like all the bickering and myth. Yeah, well, you, you got a family? You got any family? You know, they never fight, they never argue, they never bicker, they never complain. Everybody's always so happy. You say, Well, I just, the church should be different. It's a family. And you guess what's in the family? flesh yeah. yeah there's going to be issues and sure there's going to be contention and sure there's going to be problems but you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Well, at least that we never used to in this generation it seems it's more popular but the fact is you shouldn't and all i'm saying is the church is god's ordained means to evangelize the world to edify to equip to encourage and to exalt Himself. God, help us to love this place, to love the local church, to love what He loves, to put emphasis on what He puts emphasis on, and to realize there aren't a bunch of perfect people here. They're just people. And fortunately, we're forgiven if we know Christ is our Savior, and we're on our way to heaven, but that doesn't make us perfect in our attitudes and our actions. God, help us to get them straight, to deal with them, To not be a stumbling block to others, to not trip up the young believers, to not try to bring discourse and dishonor to God. But by the same token, sadly enough, the reality is we're a family. And we don't always get along like we ought to. We ought to just say, well, that's the cost of doing business in a family. And I'm going to love my brother, even when he's all mixed up. And I'm going to love my sister. Even when she can't see straight. I'm just going to go ahead and love people. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to encourage every single other person, like 1024 said, provoke them to love also. Amen. And provoke them to good works. Yes. I'm going to keep telling people, keep serving the Lord, keep loving Jesus, keep loving the preacher, keep loving church, and keep loving the services and keep loving preaching and keep loving the world. And I'm just going to keep on it. Father, help us, Lord. We, we, we aren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, Lord.